Welcome to episode 104 of Eat, Drink, Write, an Urban Fantasy Whiteboard. Today, we're going to be talking more about writing descriptions. Now, I mean, a lot of our episodes have touched on descriptions within whatever that topic was. Right. But we thought we would delve more into into actual writing descriptions. And I think we can probably do several more episodes. There's so much out there on writing descriptions. But first, how was your week? Probably the same as last week. Oh, it's so busy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Busy and just like getting more and more stressful as I'm getting closer to graduation. You know, there's a billion things to do and I feel like I don't have enough time in the world to do them. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, that's pretty fun. But, uh, oh, um, one important thing, I finished the first draft of one of my books. I have learned that I write a lot more uh, when I'm extremely stressed, which is, I think, hilarious because it takes time to write. But, you know, it, I think it keeps me a little bit sane. Yeah, it takes you away from the real world for a while, which everybody yeah. needs. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, I think I've mentioned it a few times on here. It's the ARA books that I'm working on. I'm not going to go into any detail on those because it still needs a lot of work and it'll be a very long time before it's ever published. So yeah, this one's going to be very complex. Your mm-hmm. whole plot ideas are uh-huh. <laughs> um, amazing. I can't wait to see how you put it together. I don't even know the whole plot lines anymore because you've changed it since we've Uh talked about it. So yeah, that's very exciting. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you so much. I'm excited too. I'm very excited to rewrite it. That definitely won't happen until after graduation. So it'll be a couple of months before I revisit it. But in the meantime, since I still need writing to, you know, appease my stressed brain, um, I am working on um, another of my novels at the moment. And I've added somewhere around 5,000 words in the past week. So that's amazing. Yeah, no, I've been tied up with, I got court next week, all, all week, my chaos court. Mm -hmm. Um, The week after that, we've got a mandatory seminar that I've got to go to. That'll be four days. So I'm trying to get everything caught up before I have to get bogged down with all of that. So no writing for me, unfortunately. Yeah, I hear you. What are you eating and drinking? You're home early today. I am. Wait, yeah. How was, hold on. How was your week? (laughs) (laughs) It's the same. I mean, just swamp trying to get ready for stuff. I have been starting to play with some new crafts, which is fun. Yes. Very fun. Yeah. So I'm having a good time with that. That's, I guess, my stress reliever. Oh, yeah. Doing the crafts. I pour my, your poor father. I've set up my jewelry station up in the living room. And so I've got beads and wires and all these things everywhere. I bet he loves that. <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't say anything because he's a good husband, but yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's been fun. I've been making rings that I was able to take up to Helen and um, learning, getting better and better at the wire work, which is mm-hmm. very fun. Um, nice. So yeah, that's all I've been doing. Just don't have enough time to, I haven't even read in forever. No reading, yeah. no writing, no nothing. Um, I just, I do listen to some podcasts I love and that's why we drink. Um, yeah. Yeah. I try to listen to our podcast so that I can see if we're doing a good job or not. <laughs> we're doing a job at least. <laughs> we're doing a job. We're here y'all. Um, so um, that yeah. was my week. So how, what are you, since you're home early today, I am working on your thesis. Yes. What are you eating and drinking? I am not eating anything. I have no clue. I think it's salads for dinner tonight, but since it's so early, I'm not eating anything yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we did make this amazing, like fajita style chicken. Uh, for dinner one night that I had for lunch not too long ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was super, super yummy. So rice and beans and chicken and fajita veggies. And uh, it was delicious. Uh, yum. Um, cayenne pepper and, you know, all that jazz. So are you drinking anything fun? But since you're working, are you? I'm, yeah, I'm not drinking anything with alcohol. So not that kind of fun. But I did. So another one, I'm learning a lot about myself as I'm very stressed these days. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I like to do while I'm stressed is just like m- make various things. So like, I like to cook, um, and I like to just like make drinks and stuff. So I brewed a whole giant pot of tea, um, for some sweet tea or not sweet tea. I didn't put any sugar in it, but, uh, some iced tea, just like a, for a picture oh, of iced tea. Nice. 
Um, so I'm drinking some iced tea. It's just black tea. And then I put some vanilla syrup in it. Oh, and it's very good. How interesting. I never really thought of putting syrups in teas. I Uh put syrups in the coffees. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's right. And that's, it's my fiance's vanilla syrup because she uses it for her coffee Coffee? lattes. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you know what? I'm going to put some in this iced tea because I didn't put any sugar in it, but I wanted something sweet. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I'll do that. And it's, it's very good. And I think next time I, I know, I think next time I would add, um, we have some uh, almond milk. So I would probably add that in. It's kind of like English breakfast tea, except for iced. So yeah. And anytime that I go to like Dunkin' or Starbucks or, you know, any coffee, I always whatever milk and yeah, I, even in iced tea though. And people just oh. give me the weirdest look. I, I put creamer in my never iced knew tea. That. Yeah. I have never <laughs> thought of that. Although I love iced lattes, which is right. Yeah. Cream. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, that's, that's just a weird thing that I do. And I know, um, a lot of people give me a lot of very funny looks when I'm like, can I have cream for my iced tea? Okay. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> so oh, next funny. time I, I think I would probably put some almond milk in it, but right today it's just, uh, some straight tea with vanilla syrup. Well, it doesn't have a color. Like it's, is the vanilla syrup, not white. No, it's just clear, huh. clear syrup. Interesting. I've yeah. never tried that. It's well, very good. I needed a drink today. So <laughs> I am drinking some of my wine. Uh, it's the sparkling. I think this, this one is Corbell pink. Oh, champagne good. or pink sparkling wine. It's not champagne, yeah. but that was what I felt the need of today. And then for dinner, I'm going to be making, um, there's a keto, um, lasagna. And I don't know why they call it lasagna. It has no noodles in it. Oh, because we're keto and we can't eat noodles, but it is excellent. It's got, um, um, ground sausage Mm. and ricotta cheese and oh my God. That sounds okay. Listen, I want that. Just ship some my way. I will gladly take some of that. (laughs) And it's easy. You just do it in a cast iron skillet, all, all one pot. So it's very easy to do. And then you throw it in the oven to let the cheese on top melt. My mouth is watering. (laughs) So uh, that's what we're having for dinner tonight. Well, that sounds fantastic. But it is early. So not yet. True, 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 true. Yeah. I think we're doing salads or we're doing another, like we're doing like a, another chicken dinners, like Italian chicken or something. Okay. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So writing descriptions start off. Writing descriptions. Absolutely. So description obviously comes with the territory of writing a novel. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't really go anywhere with a novel without using some kind of description in some form or fashion. Or Um, you can, but it would be. Yeah, I suppose you're right. You can, but would it be enjoyable? I don't know. You know, even scientific writing has descriptions. It does. It does. Scientific writing, which I do a lot of is a lot of very dry writing, but everything has to, it, it's still a story. Like there is still descriptors of how you do your experiments and things. So and I, I you, don't think you can, you have to have your audience want to read it. Even scientists, right. you know, even scientists. And <laughs> yeah. So like, no matter what type of writing you're doing, there's probably, you know, some kind of quote unquote story. And maybe I just view the world under that lens of stories, but yeah, you know, I, are I fiction writers. So that happens. Right. And so, you know, you're not really going to get much of anywhere in, in in writing without some kind of descriptors. I mean, even legal writing, I, when I do my briefs and memos and that kind of yeah. thing, it it has to be entertaining for the judge to be able to get through it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, so we, we haven't really discussed description on this podcast, though, like the ways that we can use it to enhance our writing. So I thought it'd be a really mm-hmm. good opportunity to do so. Um, Mostly because recently I saw a post in a writer group that I'm a part of um, on one of those social media platforms. And somebody asked, you know, do you prefer more description or more dialogue when you're reading a book? And I, you know, my immediate thought was, well, I'll get to that in a second. But I saw a, a variety of answers from, you know, I don't like much description. Description's too heavy. I don't care for it. I'd rather have more dialogue than description and, you know, et cetera, just like a lot of answers along those lines. And, you know, the way that I think about it though, is like, you can't, you can't really get away with just dialogue alone. 
Or, um, or description. You can't, or description alone. You know, yeah. there's got to be a balance between the two. You For can't just sure. have one or the other. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you might enjoy conversations between characters more or whatever, but like, I think you still need both description and dialogue in order to carry a story, especially, yeah. you know, like urban fantasy, like we write. For sure. I agree. I can't imagine one or the other. I mean, I guess the question was, do you prefer, you know, mm-hmm. so which one do you like better? But yeah. I don't think that I can answer that I like either one better because both are needed. Right. Yeah. And there needs to be a balance and you need to also shake up how you do the, you know, the pacing that we talked about, you've got to put, you know, this part might have more dialogue because that's what that needs. And this part might not have dialogue. It might be more description, you know, like when Gandalf and the Hobbit, I mean, in the Lord of the Rings and yeah, the Gandalf and the Hobbits were walking up the mountain and the camera zoomed out and you're seeing them. There was no discussion going on. There was no dialogue because they couldn't talk with all of that. Yeah. So in that particular scene, it needed to be the description of the, the, the mountain and the snow and And the wind, all of that. Yeah. That was what was needed in that part. But you also have parts of that book that had to have a huge amount of dialogue. So I think it's definitely a balance. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the fact that so many people were like, I don't want to read that much description. You know, I figured we could talk about. Yeah, um, I figured we could talk a little bit about description today and how we can actually use it effectively in our writing to the point where our readers are not like, ugh, like, I don't want to read description. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like the description is going to fall into that show, not tell kind mm. of category. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, you can be boring with description. Yeah. You know, you can say, like, rather than saying X is wet, you can say something like water dripped down her legs, puddling at her feet type thing. I mean, that's a totally different, you know, that's not a very good example. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, it gets the point across. Yeah. You know, don't say, oh, she, I think I talk about it a little bit later, but like, don't like absolutely tell. I don't know. The only thing that I can think of now is your example. So I guess it was a good one. (laughs) Okay. Well, I do think that good description helps transport readers into other settings. Definitely. It it gets their brains going. So you do want to describe in a way that lets their imagination fill in some of the details. Remember that seminar? It was one of the Atlanta writers seminars we went to. And I remember the speaker said something about, um, you know, too much description of a monster makes it boring or even in horror movies when you get to see it 100% the imagination of the reader is gonna you know you want to leave some information but you've got to give them cues as to what shape you want it to go absolutely Yeah, yeah I agree with that like especially you brought up the horror movie thing and you know I find horror movies scary um you know, for the first two thirds of the movie. And then for the last third where they reveal what the monster looks like, I'm like, oh, well, yeah. that's not that scary. Yeah, like, whatever. That's boring. <laughs> like you know, the they... things that I could picture in my head. Yeah. yeah, that I could picture in my head, way scarier mm-hmm. than what they actually came up with, with CGI and like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sure. I, I was, well, now I don't remember what I was going to say. Something about horror movies, but. Are you feeling that wine already? Uh, yeah, I've had half, <laughs> half the glass already. It's going fast. Oh. We aren't even very far into this. No. But no, and and the older horror movies, before they had CGI and that kind of thing, the yeah. effects weren't great. And so they those, I think, were scarier because they had to leave it to the audience's imagination. Right, right. And so I think there is something to that. So you want to think about the way you describe things. Don't be... Too great. And just like the movie Saw, I mean, some of you all might, might love right. that movie, but it's gore. That's what it's all about is just the gore, gore, gore. Right. You know, and if that's what you're writing, then great, do that. But if that's not what you are wanting your reader to get out of it, you don't want to throw that much gory detail into it. You can use some really good words to get that imagination of your reader thinking something much more horrible than you could ever come up with. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so there are five areas where you can use description to enhance your writing. And I got, this is from an article, uh, called writerswrite.co.za. So, um, this is, I don't know. Never heard of that. I wasn't going to try to guess where that was 
from, never heard but, of that. Okay. Um, that's just my ignorance on, you know, domains. So, um, but I got all of this information in this section from that article and it was a great article. So you guys should go check it out. You know what? I think I should start putting our references into our information with when I put yeah. these up that way sure. our listeners, cause we say them and if they don't have a pen and paper, like if they're driving, they're not, you know, there's no way. So I'll, I'll start trying to remember to do that. So you all can go look up and read these articles. Some of them are fabulous. For sure. I also, you know, we could potentially post our notes that we do for our listeners on Patreon. So anybody who, that's true, you know, is a supporter on Patreon can have these notes and, you know, be able to look at them. And um, that would yeah, be that. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so description for characters. So descriptions about characters should give your reader something to envision. You know, what is it about this character that your reader should first notice? Like, why? Um, why are you using whatever it is you're description using yeah. about your character? Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, if your reader can envision your character in their heads, that character becomes real to them. And that's why you've got to do physical descriptions. I, I, I do feel like, and I think I've said, I say this later that we can do a whole episode on character description. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, could. the way you describe someone's hair and how do you get across if it's first person, how do you get across what they look like? Right. Cause you, know, you don't want to use the, I looked in a mirror. I, I looked, looked in like a mirror. This. Yeah. yeah. I walked by a store window and my hair was disheveled. I mean, you know, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, can you get across any background information using character descriptions? You know, like, do they have any obvious scars? Do they dress a particular way? Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a lot of information about a character out in the way that they present themselves. Yeah. I mean, think about in urban fantasy, the main female characters are often leather. They wear yeah. leather, they ride motorcycles. You know, you can get a lot of that badass vibe just from that description. And we know, okay, this chick's a badass. That's what. Right that's what you're trying to get across. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, also don't worry too much about eye color. This is something that I am bringing up just because I've seen, um, a lot of posts about it where characters just weirdly notice the eye color of other characters. And, Mm -hmm. um, if you think about like real life, most people don't really notice eye color on strangers. Like you might be like, Oh, well they have light eyes or they have dark eyes. But if you like pull them aside and you're like, okay, so that person you just met, what color were their eyes? And yeah. like, I don't, I don't I mean, know. Do you even know what your boss's eye color is? I, I think Steve's are blue, but again, like, I don't know. Yeah. My two sure. judges there, one of them is light, but I don't yeah. know what color it, it, it could even be hazel. I yeah. have no idea. And I'm in front of these judges every single week for seven days, every single month. And, you know, right. so that's a great point. I think I am very guilty of that. Yeah. So I just, I, and I've made it a point in my books that I write currently not to describe eye color unless there's a reason for it. So, you know, don't mention it unless it's important to the character. And there's some, you know, uh, werewolf books often use like the lightning of eye color or something like that. Yeah. Too. Yeah, I, if it is important like that, like wide eyes, like in um, Game of Thrones, the dead mm-hmm. had you knew that it was a dead creature if they had the glazed over eyes. Um, yeah, or cat irises and a shapeshifter. Yeah, definitely. or like you said, their eyes, like in Mercy, I think when they get close, when the the wolf comes close to the surface, their eyes change, they do change and that, color. That yeah. and that's an important fact to mention because then mercy's like oh shit the whoops right there right um you know urban fantasy probably is going to be more have more importance with eye color than others because of that kind of things we have so many different kinds of creatures um and races like it might be that one particular race in your world has a particular eye color by so by saying their eyes were red you know oh well that's a such and such um that's a good point yeah but yeah. Oh, and here, here's where I was going to say we could probably do a whole episode just on character description, which oh, I think yeah. is a fabulous idea, honestly. Yeah. I think that'd be great. I think mm-hmm. it'd be a lot of fun to do. We could even do like multiple attributes in one episode if it looks like they're going to be too short, you know, something, mm-hmm. we can figure something out. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, so description and action. So we've talked about this in our pacing and like fighting scene episodes uh, and probably elsewhere, but you know, don't slow. Yeah. Don't slow the reader down to add description when there's like intense action taking place. Um, So, you know, like I mentioned fight scenes, I'm not going to be like, Oh wow. That tree was like super old and there are no, (laughs) no leaves on it right now. Like, Oh, by the way, I'm getting punched in the face. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to really focus on the description of that tree in the distance when there's somebody who's trying to murder me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, instead add details that affect the action outcomes. So, you know, like a table being kicked over, if you're in a fight scene, um, you know, was the table heavy? Did it hit you? Was it that, you know, like those kinds of details that you can bring um, more description with in your scene. Yeah. I mean, I think things description, like the, the trickling of blood into their eyes or sweat into their eyes, which might affect the battle because they can't see, you know, yeah. where, where did they go? I'm slashing with my sword, you know, cause that's important. And it also gives your reader the insight that, Oh, this is a really bad battle because there's blood going everywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I can't see because of the blood in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want to accentuate what your character is experiencing. And I think that blood in the eyes is a very good example for, for that. Mm-hmm. You know, because if, and also, you know, just thinking about fighting scenes, because apparently that's what my brain decided to do with action. Um, But if the character is wounded and their hands are bloody, then like, think about the way that the handle of the weapon they're holding may be slick, you know, or maybe the weight of the weapon is too much to bear because, you know, they can't. And so you get a sense of like, okay, the wet, the weapon is heavy um, without having to be like, I picked up this super heavy gun and da, 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 da. I love that slick weapon reference that is actually brilliant that is a great way to show the savageness of the battle scene with a simple word that was one word that you used it didn't slow down the action and I got so much out of you saying that one word I could just envision trying to hold on to the pommel of a sword the handle of a sword the pommel's the end the handle (laughs) of a sword uh, and having it slip out of my hands I mean that that one word that one descriptive word is brilliant. There are lovely words that, you know, action words that can get those um, scenes, those ideas across without slowing down your action. And that, that was a perfect example. Thank you. But absolutely. Like, I think, you know, I think word choice is incredibly important, especially when talking about something like description, Mm -hmm. um, because the words you choose are going to affect the experience that your reader has. Absolutely. I love yeah. words. I mean, I do too. I think they're fantastic. They I'm are. not good at them like speaking wise, which is hilarious because we're having a podcast, but <laughs> um, I do also absolutely love words and the too. art of using them. Mm-hmm. Um, so description uh, and viewpoint, which this one I thought was really mm-hmm. interesting because I never think about it consciously, but I think it's one of those things that I, I do unconsciously mm-hmm. or subconsciously as I'm writing. Um, if you do it unconsciously, that would be interesting in your dreams. (laughs) Thanks mom. Okay. I appreciate you. Move ahead. Thank you. I've been drinking, so I feel good now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your input. I value it's, you know, wait. Okay. So descriptions and viewpoint though. So use your character's thoughts to enhance your descriptions. So I think the reason that I do this subconsciously (laughs) is, because I write in first person, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think, I think all of my books are first person, mm-hmm. um, but it can also be done in, uh, you know, third person point of view as well. Right. Um, but your carrot, your carrots, I am not even <laughs> drinking. It's osmosis. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. They're traveling. It's traveling through. If we're Zoom. not even in the same city y'all. <laughs> no. My gosh. Okay. Um, so but your carrots, characters, yes. no, <laughs> characters. If you say carrots, I'm going to keep saying carrots. <laughs> uh, your characters are going to see the world through different lenses. Um, mm-hmm. So books might be romanticized and beautiful to one character with full of these stories and information and knowledge, you know, to a character that enjoys reading while another character or carrot may find them boring or frustrating. And so they might not like books at all. They'll, you know, burn them all, you know, kind of thing. Right. So use your characters as a focal point for the description that you want to get across in your novel. I mean, I think a lot of writers, at least this is true for me, I'm 
in that character's space. I mean, I am that character when I'm writing and in my head, I'm seeing what they're seeing, which is why I love to write so much. I am totally yeah. transported somewhere else. Yeah. So here I am sitting at my little computer, but I'm really in this tavern looking at the potatoes on that plate over there. I mean, definitely. And, and so I, I do write from that point of view. Yeah. Um. So just if you do that, like I do, I, you know, my, me personally, I have a whole lot of things going on in my brain, which is not really great for writing your character. Yeah. You don't want a character that thinks like I do in real life. So just be careful when you're writing description from that viewpoint to try to, you know, and this may happen on your second draft because the first draft right. is trying to yeah. get through it, but go back and make sure it's normal. <laughs> Because I'm not normal. And so you have to go back and make sure that it represents what you want your character to represent. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about the, and I've said it, I think three times already this episode, but it's all about the experience that you want your reader to have. Yes. Um, what, what information do you want them to glean from these descriptions that you're using? I mean, they do tell us, you know, write for yourself, but. Oh, for sure. But yeah. there's also, if you're wanting to sell it, you do have to to fix it to the point where it would be enjoyable to someone else instead of just, you know, me, who's very strange. <laughs> that is a, that is a fair point. Right. That is a fair point. Right. Um, also description using emotion. So, you know, this is that kind of, you mentioned it earlier, the show don't tell advice yeah. that we always talk about. Yeah. Um, and that any writing advice pretty much talks about is, you know, you don't want to simply tell the audience that your character is sad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's exactly what I was talking about. I mean, cause yeah. yeah, you get it across and sometimes that might be enough. If you're, if you're writing a, a particular scene that you've really got to get to the next thing saying they're sad might work, but rarely, right? you know, right. so well, think about that. And, and there are different ways to go about it too. You know, is, is one character talking about another character and they're saying, oh, well, she's sad. You know, that mm -hmm. obviously works right. because that's dialogue and, you know, um, right. You're not trying to get across the fact that that character is sad through, you know, description or what right. have you. Um, but if you are trying to use description or trying to describe how a character feels, then, you know, they are sad isn't quite enough to make that stick in your reader's mind. Right. Um, a lot of the time. I think it can be sometimes. Um, but you want to show your character's tears tracking down their face. Um, mm -hmm. or the sobs that shake their shoulders, mm -hmm. you know, or the salty taste. If you want to try to bring taste into yeah. it, the salty taste as the tears drip into their mouth or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we have done a whole episode on show. Don't tell. Uh, and that's episode 26. I actually remember to go <laughs> Yay, and look it up. She looked it up. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, next I have description using like pacing for use for oh gosh I'm not drinking this is not how my brain is supposed to work right now I'm sorry for the osmosis oh it's it's I honestly think it's just you know trying to write my thesis and mm -hmm. do a billion other things um but yeah. using pacing in order to get across descriptions in a way that you want to in your novel um so we've talked about pacing we just did an episode on that one in 102 I mm -hmm. think um yep. And uh, so you just want to use pacing to kind of switch up the way that you describe your scenes in order to make them pop to your reader. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I did put this in the notes. Uh, we did talk about it in episode 102. <laughs> um, but this is more about using sentence length and punctuation, punctuation, yes, to yeah. accent the descriptions that you want your reader to experience. Mm -hmm. Well, and even certain, there are descriptive words that are, one syllable words that help things move fast too. Absolutely. You know, yeah. so yes, you can pick descriptive words that fit the pace that you need at that time. I, I really think that what's at the root of description is, is you need to, you, you look at the scene paragraph or sentence that you're about to write, or that you're mm -hmm. trying to get across and determine exactly what it is you're trying to convey. What is it in yeah. the scene I'm about to do that I'm trying to convey? You think of, the colors, the textures, the shapes, the the feeling of whatever it is you're trying to describe and don't name them. Yeah. Simply picture that in your mind's eye and observe. Yes. Yeah. And that is a great way to 
get down to the basics of what description you need for that particular scene. Yeah, that's a really good tip. I like that. Yeah, me too. Um, I also found a really good article with five more tips on writing good descriptions. I'm going to, I, maybe I should just slow down my talking. (laughs) Maybe I'm just like trying to talk too fast. We do get excited about our topics. We do talk fast. I do. Um, so this article that I found is self-publishingschool.com. Um, and it was also extremely good. Lots of detail that I'm not going to include here just because I don't want to ramble on for the next three hours. I'm sure Mm -hmm. you guys would love that. (laughs) Um, but if you're interested in more detail, go and check that out. So the first tip was to utilize the five senses and you brought up a really good example with the salty taste of tears, Mm -hmm. you know, to express sadness. Well, and the copper of blood, you know, but you also don't want to be cliche. Try to come exactly. up with something. You know, I love it when I'm reading a book and they describe something in a way I've never thought of before. I'm like, oh. of course, you don't want to take your character out of the story either. But, right. you right. know, anyway, sorry, I Definitely. didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. I love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, we use all of our senses every day. You know, we've talked about using the senses on several episodes of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, There is a reason, and Mm -hmm. that's because we all use our senses every day. Um, And many writers focus on description involving sight, but like, you know, think about smells and sounds and feelings like temperature changes and rough surfaces and that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You can submerge was the word that came to my mind as I was writing these notes, and I guess it kind of fits, but you can submerge your reader into your novel by immerse. Im- immerse, immerse, immerse. That's I got it. <laughs> submerge works. It works. Yeah. There's better words out there, yeah. but it's, it's fine. You can immerse your reader into your novel by giving them a whole sense of the scene using all of the senses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the next tip is to include what's relevant. And this is the part that I think that most writers really want to know about when we talk about how do you write description for your book? Um, you know, how do I know what descriptions are relevant? Which ones are extraneous? What should I keep in? What is necessary? What do I take out? That kind of thing. Yeah, like you were talking about the tree. I mean, yeah. you know, in the battle scene, that tree, I like it the might tree. Be a cool tree. Yeah. And in my mind, you know, my one of my 50 million personalities might think that tree is the coolest thing. But like you said, there's appropriate times for right. certain facts to come out. Definitely. So good Definitely. point. Yeah. And I think this is kind of where that post that I mentioned earlier comes in, you know, the dialogue versus description Mm -hmm. post. I think it comes in a little bit here because, you know, if you add too much description, like you said, it can be boring. It'll bog Mm -hmm. down your scene and, you know, your reader may resort to skimming instead of taking in any detail, which is something that I saw in that post. I have done that for sure. Yeah. And, And sometimes, which is really funny because I like reading romances, but sometimes I get to a sex scene and I'm like, and I just skim through. Yeah, I know they're with, I know what they're doing. Yeah and, yeah. and I go through it or, or battle scenes like uh, Raymond Feist is an excellent author. I don't know if you've read any of his books, but um, he's a no, but I've heard of him. Very technical writer. Yeah. Um, your dad loves it. I mean, he, he is brilliant. I'm, and you know, like uncle Cliff, that's that type of writing. Uncle Cliff mm-hmm. writes that way, a very technical type of writing. But for me, that military stuff is a bit over my head. I just yeah. need to know where the army is going to be and, you know, what's going to happen. I don't need to know about the ranks and the, right, right, you know, and that kind of thing. So I do, I'm very guilty of skimming through those things. And those are all excellent writers. So, yes, yeah. you know, for us as new writers, we need to, well, I don't, wouldn't say we're new writers. We've written forever, but we're not published. So, yeah, right. but, you know, you do need to be aware that your dialogue, I mean, your dialogue, wow, your description could bog down your reader. Definitely. And yeah. you don't want them skimming your book. There shouldn't be anything in your book that is skimmable. Right. Exactly. Every yeah, you word want everything should to be, be important. important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, exactly. Like you just said, think about which details are important. You know, do I need three pages about the ornate swirls on that door mm-hmm. or, you know, can I be told that it's an ornate wooden door? And what's interesting about it is the purely golden doorknob or mm-hmm. the sounds that are coming from beyond the door. You know, is there something else that is more interesting, more relevant and more pertinent to the story? Or, you know, maybe the swirls on the door become a portal if you push them a certain way, but you've got to, if that's the case, you shouldn't be leaving your reader wondering why the hell are you telling me three pages about this door you don't 
if they skim it, are they going to miss the point of what you were trying to make? So yeah, be really careful in, in describing that. Definitely. Um, also less is often more in the case of writing description, you know, you were talking earlier about the monsters and the horror movies, Mm -hmm. you know, you want your reader to fill in some of the blanks. You don't want them to, um, you know, have everything at their fingertips because then there's no intrigue. I guess. Yeah. And you know, I'm a sucker. Sucker's not the right word. I'm a slave, I suppose, (laughs) to using a thesaurus. Mm-hmm. because my brain will come up like you with that word that you meant immerse. Yeah. yeah. You know, my brain will do that too. And that's not the word I'm, I mean. And so I have my thesaurus.com up all the time on my computer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I go to it constantly for fiction writing, for every kind of writing that even when I do like my Etsy store and I'm putting up a, a new item, I'm like, what is yeah. the word that makes this sound more interesting? Thesaurus, man, I am yeah. a slave yeah. to that. So great use, great source for description, Absolutely. descriptive terms anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. I am also a slave to the thesaurus. Um, Does, I have it bookmarked everywhere. Uh, doesn't Angela Puglusi, the girls that yeah, yeah, we have- yeah. Don't they have a description thesaurus? They might. I I bet they do. Bookshelf, yeah. I bet they do. You know, so definitely go buy all their books because definitely buy all their books. You will use them one hundred percent. I or maybe start with just one, just to make sure you like it. I don't. I mean, I don't see how anybody can't like those. I mean, agreed, agreed. I love those books. Me too. But I and I think they really do have a description thesaurus, And, and and all of their books are thesaurus like anyway. So if like for her, their urban books, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a description on how to describe an alley in a city, uh, you know, right. Ideas for descriptions. And it's, it's invaluable. I almost said valuable. It's valuable. Well, it is valuable. It is valuable, but it's invaluable too. (laughs) I'm going to let you talk for a little bit. (laughs) It's it's probably a good idea. Um, write what your character would naturally observe. So this calls back to my previous tip about viewpoint and point of view. Um, characters often have routines. Uh, you know, they'll, everybody wakes up in the morning and, you know, wanders to the bathroom and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But like every time they look into a mirror, you know, they're not going to always think about their features and how would I describe myself? And I have Mm -hmm. brown hair and I have (laughs) green eyes and, you know, characters don't do that. So you, you probably not going to want to make a description about a character based on like them looking at themselves in the mirror every morning. Yeah. That's probably no. When I look in the mirror in the morning, it's more like, holy shit, I I look like crap today. What did I do? Which is not what you're trying to get across with the description of your character. (laughs) Right. Right. No, exactly. Um, Characters are not going to notice every single detail also about every person, Mm -hmm. every design, every room, every place that they come across. You know, that's just, it's far too much information to take in. Nobody is really going to notice all of those details and keep them in mind. Um, so, you know, think about what catches the eye of your character first and think about why, uh, and is it important and use that for description? Yeah. I'm, I'm very non-aware, you know, only somebody like Sherlock Holmes, which if you're writing a Sherlock Holmes character, yes, he does notice everything in that room, but the rest of us pretty much not. I'm excited just to get through the door without falling (laughs) down (laughs) yes miss broken feet I know (laughs) I I go to the doctor this week hopefully he'll tell me it's repaired we'll see good yeah um the next tip that I have is one of my favorites and it's to spread out your descriptions Hmm. uh you know you don't want to again bog down your reader so you don't want a long paragraph or a few pages about what a room looks like or how it's set up Instead, spread out the description across the across the scene as action unfolds. You want to use character action to reveal reveal details of your scene. That's a really good point. It kind of borderlines on the um, info dump. Yeah, yeah. If for you sure. try to do it that way, which I'm guilty of too. I I am horrible with the info dump. So you know, when I start a new scene, I want everybody to know what this library looks like and all the books are. You know, that's not what you notice when you go right. into a, a library, you might notice the smell. I love I the smell I might of notice a library. The books in a library. I mean, I would notice the books, but not, you know, the way I info dump everything. Fair I, enough. Yeah. I, I, I'm working on that. 
Fair enough. Um, yeah. And then the example that I came up with, which arguably is not a good example, but John picked up the candle that rested on the table instead of mentioning the candle in the initial description of the room. So, you know, if John walks into the room, is he going to really care about that candle or is he going to need to pick it up later? So, you know, Mm -hmm. he can, we can get across that there's a candle on the table when he goes to pick up the candle, unless he's specifically walking into the room for that candle. If that or unless the room is so dark that the only light he could see was coming from was the, the candle. candle, you know, it just depends on what you're trying right. to get across. Yeah. Right. Good point. But the, Good point. the point is, you know, your character can interact with their surroundings in order to get across description of the room instead of just describing the entire room. There was a candle on the table. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I gotcha. Okay. So this is going to help you keep your reader engaged and learning new information about the place that they found themselves in. So you're going to be able to reveal more information about the scene um, across character action, which is going to be way more engaging, Mm -hmm. um, than just spelling it out. Right. Um, this (laughs) tip, this last tip that I found in this article made me laugh because all it said was don't be boring. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, sure. I'll just, I'll just do that. Like, I'll make sure that I'm not boring. Uh, but like, but how, yeah. Um, so, well, you know, we as writers can get caught up in our world building. And yeah, we can I don't add... think we ever think we're boring. So how do exactly. we know if we're boring? Like, right. Sure. I'll just be not boring. <laughs> I'll just do that. Um, no, but like we can get caught up in our world building and we can add details that don't necessarily matter to the story or our characters, but we like them because we think they're really cool. Mm-hmm. And they probably are. They're probably really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely guilty of this sometimes. (laughs) I have a lot of details in my books that I just think are the bee's knees and Mm -hmm. I want to use them and I want the reader to think that they're also cool. But according to this article, quote unquote, readers don't care, Um, which I take that to mean we can easily become overwhelmed or bored with detail that isn't interesting to the story we're trying to immerse ourselves in. Okay. So from a reader's standpoint, I can definitely see, you know, I don't, I don't really care about that extraneous detail. Tell me why I care. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I've read books where I just kind of mentally sigh at the amount of description, you know, like you said, you skim through a lot mm-hmm. of the technical terms of things that, you know, you're not necessarily immersed in or not mm-hmm. well-versed in that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for, for me, I'm like, please tell me why I care about that tree outside the window instead of just describing it for several paragraphs. You know, for all we talk about Patricia Briggs, there, uh-huh. It was one of the Alpha and Omega books in her series where she got very into the horse training and mm, all of that, mm-hmm. which I like horses. Yeah. But I am not. She loves horses. They yeah, she, are a huge part of her life in the, in, in, in the real world. Right. Yeah. Um, and so some of that detail I did find a little bit boring, which is not something you can often say about Patricia Briggs works. Yeah, um, I do. It, it's interesting. I just reread that entire series uh, within the past few months and uh, got to that book. And I remember thinking that the first time that I read it, but the second time around, I don't, I, I was not ever bored with any of the description. Okay. It's so not it was that I was bored by it. I just, but I just don't understand. It, it was kind that of. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so those are words that do not come out of your mouth when you're reading a Patricia Briggs book. So, but that was the only book that ever, and it's because of her love of that in the real yeah. world. And it came through into her, her, this book because she loves it so much, Yeah, which is well, wonderful. But as, as writers, we need to be aware of that. Definitely. I have a character that I'm working on right now and she's a grad student because I don't know. It's something right that I you know. know. Yeah. Um, you know, she's a grad student and she's actually in a program of study for magic, but I know how all of the grad student, you know, stuff works, you know, like you have an advisor and you have all these exams and you have orals and you have, um, you know, written exams that, you know, determine whether or not you can be a candidate. And I, you know, I have to be careful about going into detail on that stuff because a lot of people are probably not going to give a crap about whether or not she's a PhD candidate versus just a PhD student, you know, yeah, they're not going to care and but for you, you know the details. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's very good point. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Now I have just a few more miscellaneous tips. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh. I thought you said mischievous tips. <laughs> I got Not really quite. excited for a minute <laughs> to find out what mischievous tips you were going to tell us. 
I want no devious tips. I hope you have some of your own. I don't. <laughs> I have miscellaneous tips. <laughs> okay. Tell us your miscellaneous tips. Sorry about that. I was just Maybe so excited there for a minute. Okay. So I've, I've almost finished my wine now. <laughs> Ooh. Yep. That's, a, that's good. Okay. Um, so the first one I have is be specific in your descriptions, you know, unless your character can't, for whatever reason, provide specific details in any capacity, like maybe they were drugged or something mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, that's interesting writing a drugged scene, mm-hmm. you know, that happens a lot in, in stories that we see and even mm-hmm. urban fantasy and not urban fantasy yeah. where they're drugged. And I've never been in that position. So how do we describe right. that? you know, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So just like be, you want to be specific. Um, you know, your word choice, like I mentioned earlier is super important. You can create specific tones and moods with the descriptions in your scenes. And that's going to be reliant on the specificity. You don't want to be super vague because then your reader's not going to be able to envision a scene. Um, and they're not going to be able to picture, you know, where exactly your character is and what they're doing and, you know, the, the setting, you know, and the setting is super Mm -hmm. important true. Um, intertwined description and action. Um, so I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but let your characters interact with the scene and your reader is going to follow. Um, and I think this one is just very important. And the reason I'm saying it again is just because it's a good way to make description feel organic. Um, you know, you don't have to describe like, oh yes, that door that's in my way is it's a large double door and it's brown <laughs> and it's got swirls and it was obviously hand carved. And I think it's a hundred years old. And I, you know, like it, that's just, again, going to bore your reader. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have your character walk up and try to open the door and it's heavy and it creaks and, and they have you know, to put under effort. his weight. Yeah. Right. So, you know, let your characters interact with your scene in order to get across what is in your scene, if that, you know, kind of makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I think we've talked before about talking heads. Yeah. When we talk yeah. about dialogue. Well, kind of in this, this, the same thing with description, if your scene doesn't feel like it has a place, like it's mm-hmm. just, you're just, the actors are just speaking in some blank white room. Yeah. Um, rather than just the talking head that we were talking about for dialogue, but the actual room, you're, you know, you aren't going to be able to get that sense of place back later. Right. So yeah. do it as do it early. Start with your description of where you are early. That's a really, really good point mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, one of the tips I think, you know, we've talked about a billion things on this podcast, but there was one where it's, you know, you don't want to start off a book with a character just running away from something. Right. Or start off with like really intense dialogue. Because your your reader is going to be like, well, wait, where, where, where are, are we, we running from? Yeah. Like, where are we? Are we in the woods? Are we in a city? Yeah, it's that um, talking head things, but it yeah. goes to description as well. Definitely. And so yeah. your, char- your character, your reader is going to feel a little bit lost mm-hmm. um, without something to ground them in a scene. That's a really good, that's a really good point. Thank you. Um, avoid excessive name dropping when describing a character, you know, don't, you don't want to say John over and over. John has brown hair and John wore a red shirt <laughs> and John thinks that he's the best guy ever. You know, you just yeah. want to avoid that. It gets repetitive. Um, was just one, one tip that I saw, mm-hmm. uh, don't let description hang you up on a first draft. Um, you know, my first drafts are often right. pretty skeletal. They feel pretty dry bones. There's not a lot of meat to it. Um, they lack a lot of that juicy description. So it's, it's really my rewrite where I shine on adding descriptions to enhance my story. So don't worry too much if your first draft is. Yeah. You're a lot of times just trying to get from point A to point B in that first draft, because you know where the story has to go. So definitely the, well, you rewrite, I just go back and I I need to learn to rewrite because I think that's probably the way to go. I think you're probably more advanced than I am in the writing scene. I don't know. Everybody writes differently. Um, Everybody does have their own way to do things, but I don't feel comfortable moving on from a scene until I have done that fleshing out to, I mean, obviously it's still a first draft when I get done, but I do more fleshing during the writing of the original scene than you do. Yeah. Um, You know, you want to tell your reader where they are within a paragraph or so. Um, Yeah. Close, close to the start of that scene, the early 
that early paragraph needs to have enough detail that say you're creating a coffee shop, that it should feel like its own place, something that you actually as a human being can envision walking into. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got its own mood, its color. You're, you're, you've got to give enough detail that your reader feels like they're in that spot. Definitely. Um, one vivid descriptive detail will do more work for you than three beautifully ornate sentences that don't tell them description. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, um, and this isn't necessarily about setting, but it, it can apply, uh, but like the slick um, mm-hmm. handle of the sword, like you said, it, it uh, brings about a way um, or, a, you know, an imagery of like, there's blood everywhere. This is really intense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, the weapon is slipping out of my hand. That's a lot of information to get across with the handle was slick. Yeah. You yeah. Know, as you're trying to fight. Yeah. Also utilize beta readers. You know, mm-hmm. I think we have started saying this almost every single episode because they are just so important. invaluable. They're valuable and invaluable. And invaluable. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But they can, you know, they can tell you when there's too much description versus too little. I think every single one of my first drafts that you read, you tell me it feels a little skeletal. And then yeah. you read my rewrite and you're like, that was really good. Yeah. And I'm like, All right, cool. Yeah, all, Louis and Delaney's the only one that wasn't skeletal on the first well, draft. And then it I was ready to publish. <laughs> it was ready to publish first time you wrote it. Well, now it's now it's redone and I still haven't opinion. read it yet. I have to I know. read it. Yeah. Um, try descriptive exercises. I like this one. I like uh, writing exercises. I, I think do they're too. a mm-hmm. really great way to stretch those writer muscles, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of get them going a little bit. Um, you know, write a paragraph specifically meant to describe a place or person or thing to practice getting down details and important details and necessary details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do this with our paragraph writing. I mean, we do. Some, yeah. sometimes our paragraph writing is just to write in general, mm-hmm. just to get us writing again. Yeah. Sometimes it's actually to work on something specific like description. Let's work on description in this one. And then, you know, we've come up with some really beautiful sentences. We do. Yeah. In, in our paragraph writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did find an example in the writersdigest.com, which is also a wonderful resource. Yeah. So instead of writing the lake glittered in the light of the setting sun, which actually that's a, that's a it's pretty good sense. Yeah. This was the, I, I think this is a bit over the top, but this was what they said to write instead. As the tip of the sun was about to slip below the green hills, stretching in layered curves along the horizon, the lake caught its setting light and glittering streaks of mauve and orange squirmed across the black surface with undulations of waves like worms of celestial fire. Huh. I agree with you. I think a little bit of that is overdone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think think it's illustrative of what you can do with that simple sentence to make it more descriptive. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. And then one last thought that I have, and then that's all I've got is you were talking about writing exercises. Yeah. Take, take that one step further and keep a description journal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which we all, all of us writers, there's memes everywhere about writers and their little journals. I mean, yes. it, it's a thing. It is um, a thing. We've had, we have a whole episode on writer's journals. We do. Um, but keep a, a, a description journal, carry it with you, take it out. If you're sitting on lunch break or you're waiting for a doctor appointment, describe your surroundings. Yeah. Um, describe a TV character, describe, you know, people watch, which I love to do. Go to the airport, watch people and yes. describe them, describe different locations, buildings, notice architecture, notice the doors and, and how people travel through different areas. Notice activities. Um, one article I read said to copy down descriptions that from books that you like, because just the act of rewriting that scene will help you see what descriptive words they use. I do do that. Actually, I have, yes, I have written down quotes that Patricia Briggs has written because she's brilliant. The way that she describes things sometimes I'm like, how did you even come up with that? Like, how did you even think to put words together in that way? And start the sentence that way. And so I've started, uh, I say I've started this, I've been doing this for a while, but like, I will write down quotes that really get me where I'm like, oh, that was a really great way to describe that or to bring in that description. Um, so yeah, that I 
stand by that, uh, that tip. That's a really, yeah. I mean, so keep it in a specific journal. That's just for description. Yeah. So that, you know, I'm having description issues. I need to work on that. You pull out that journal and that's got all of that in it. I mean, as writers, we, we can have lots of journals. We can have multiple journals for multiple reasons and carry them all with us. I don't even know how many unopened journals I've got. I mean, I have a lot. Yeah. I, I do too. I love journals. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's all I've got. That is all I had. I do have an interview question for you. Like I okay. do. Um, what sense of the five senses other than sight and sound, do you use the most in your writing and which do you think that you need to use more? I think that I have an issue with not using the others other than sight and sound enough. Right. I, I think I use taste probably the most Oh, yeah. and, and urban fantasy and, and high fantasy. I'm all about the food. Yeah. I, yeah. I was raised on Dragonlance series and I still remember Tika's potatoes, one of our um, listeners is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Tika's potatoes and the smell of them and the taste of them. Um, I just can't get enough of that. And so yeah. I I like using that. I probably need to work on everything other than sight and sound. I think sight and sound comes automatically. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think it does for most, most forget writers. about the taste and the feel um, and the smells. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think the sense that I use the most is it's not quite touch, but it's, um, feeling. So like temperature changes, I do a lot, you know, if it's cold outside or the gush of warm air as I walk indoors, you know, I, I write that type of thing. I need to do that more. Yeah. A lot of my characters, you know, and I've realized that in a lot of my books, I, I really enjoy writing colder weather. Um, Me too. That's my favorite time. Yeah. Oh, that's a great interview question. What's your favorite time of year to write about? Oh, that yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I use the fall a lot. Um, Me too. The book that I just finished was summer in Charleston, South Carolina. So there was mm. always the sweaty, sticky, uh, Hot, just like the humid. heat mm-hmm. yeah, of getting, uh, you know, of the wonderful South. That yeah. Kata started in Atlanta in the summer. Yeah. So she yeah. had the sweat and the heat and the humidity. Definitely. And then also, I think I use, you know, I use the weather a lot to describe how my character is feeling. So I think my character is like tactile oh. feelings, you know, so the, you know, again, the weather. So like the, um, the humidity and the heat of Charleston, which is also symbolism and stuff. So you're pulling all that in there. That's amazing. Right. And then also, well, thank you. Um, and also the rain in Savannah in spring I used in my MacBook. Mm-hmm. Um, so she ended up caught in the rain a lot. She would end up falling in mud and it'd be sticky and she's trying to, you know, get the mud off. So I think I use like that kind of, uh, those, those kinds of senses as horrible as you make that sound. I love Savannah and I want to go back. I, yeah, I know. I, and the rain there is terrible. Sometimes I hear, um, I, I mean, we, it, we know we've, We've been, I mean, when we go, when is it that we, oh, we usually go, we used to go during the summer, we would go to Tybee Island as a family and we would spend at least one day in Savannah and it never failed. There would be a thunderstorm and we'd be ducking into, oh, a bar to have to have a drink. Oh, darn. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. But yeah, Savannah is a wet city for sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think I think the sense that I should probably work on more would probably be taste because I think I use mostly the the cliche, like the taste of blood, the copper taste of right, blood in right. the mouth whenever I'm writing like a fighting scene and you this get punched. surprises in me in because Mac is a chef. So I would think that in that book, at least you use taste a lot. You would think so. And I don't think I do that much. Huh? Yeah, you would think. Um but I, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I do. I think she's... to me, I would think that even her analogies in her mind would be about taste. I agree. And I think that might be something that I need to work on in that book. Like is I think that, that's something. Is that one done or are you still rewriting or? It's done. I think it needs a rewrite because you know how I am. You as a rewrite human. a lot. Yes, ma'am. I've it's, it's the draft that I have is still the very first draft. So. Okay. That you it haven't needs... rewritten it at all yet. Right. Right. Okay. I gotcha. So I'm envious you and your busy, huge, amazing life with 
fiance and school and work and all that, that you're able to write. I need to somehow get my act together. I I guess. No, it's, I think writing is very therapeutic for me. It, it, like you said, it's a very good escape. I get Mm -hmm. a chance to work on something that's not school for once. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's been super helpful in keeping me sane ish Mm -hmm. as I'm trying to get towards graduation. Are are Um, you though? No, (laughs) (laughs) not at all. Oh, that's funny. Oh, good grief. Um, I do have a sentence challenge for those of you who are interested in participating. So basically just take this sentence and use it in any piece of work. I typically like to write a whole brand new um, piece of work. And I I limit myself to one page because I like for it to be a challenge. Um, So this week's sentence is, you expect me to notice things? And email them to us. And at some point, we're going to compile all of the stuff that y'all have sent us and do an episode uh, uh, listener episode with what you all have sent us. So yeah, email them to us. Please do. Um, so that's all I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote down the outro today uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to make it a little bit easier on myself. Um, thank you guys for listening so much. That one's easy. I didn't have to write that part down. We super appreciate you guys. You know, we're super thrilled to talk about writing and, and talk in general, obviously. Um, so yeah, we like and, to talk. We talk a lot. Uh, come check out our website at eatdrinkwritepodcast.com. Um, follow us on all of our social media. We've got all the good stuff like Twitter, Facebook, Insta, Pinterest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you can find all of those on our website. Um, and also the best way to get in touch with us, we love reading all of your comments, but the best way to get in touch with us is via our email um, at eat.drink.write.podcast at gmail.com. Um, also, if you would like to support us as we continue on our podcasting journey, uh, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash edwpodcast. Um, we're super grateful to the patrons that we have already. And we just got another this week. Nikki, thank you so Woo-hoo! much. Thank We're you, Nikki. super thrilled. Um, we always do a little celebration. Uh, she, you know, you email it to me and we both cheer. It's yes. fantastic. We, we love our patrons. you all. Yes. Thank you very much. But thank you guys um, for your support. Helps us keep doing these episodes. And thank you guys for listening. We super appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>